Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we got a couple crazy revenge stories, but first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our first story of the day is I got my pastor's stepdad sacked by the church. My dad died when my sister and I were young. She was 8 and I was 10. Things were quite tough because my mom resorted to drinking alcohol to numb her pain. She also lost the baby she was carrying at the time. It was stillborn. This was even more painful for us as a family. My mom mourned her child and husband while my sister and I tried to cope by supporting and comforting each other. Since our mom was in a bad place, she was hardly there for us. She couldn't be there for us. Her drinking got even worse with time. Our aunt who lived very close would have my sister and me spend the night while my mom got wasted. But my aunt soon moved far away so we were left with our unstable mom. Our Christian neighbor noticed how distressed my sister and I were so she would invite us to her house over for dinner. She and her husband had grown up kids and had left the house so it was just the couple. They treated us very kindly and soon started talking to my mom about going to rehab. Our family joined their church and my mom went into rehab and came out better. All the months she was in rehab, the older couple in church took good care of me and my sister. Naturally, when my mom returned, our families became friends. We attended church regularly too. Things started to look up for us. My mom got a great job and joined the church's choir. The church had a committee of elders that were the final decision makers and authority in the church. The senior pastor was elected by the elders. This is how it went down. Good candidates that the church workers considered suitable for a pastor would be nominated by the church workers, and the elders would then vote for the candidate that they wanted. The elder council consisted of seven elders, so there was never a tie. The old pastor had just retired, and it was time for the church to go through the process of selecting a new pastor. My mom wanted one of the church workers to be a pastor, and we, my family, all did. We enjoyed his sermons whenever he preached and he had a pleasant countenance. It turned out that many of the workers wanted him too because he got the highest nomination. It was left to the elders' council to elect any of the nominees. The couple who were our neighbors didn't like the man my family wanted. The woman was one of the church elders, and she made it clear that he would never get her vote. My family didn't understand why she didn't like him, so my mom asked her, and she gave a vague response. He's been in a scandal in the past. She didn't tell us about the scandal though, and we didn't ask. Eventually, he was elected the pastor. Soon enough, the new pastor showed interest in my mom. My mom was flattered that a young man who had never been married and had no children was interested in her. He was also a decent guy, well-respected, and comfortable. They started going out together and soon enough everyone in the church knew that my mom and the pastor were in a relationship. Our elder lady neighbor was not impressed at all but she refrained from saying anything. It was probably because my mom was very excited and she didn't want to interfere with that. My sister and I liked our mom's boyfriend, not mainly because he did anything for us, but because of how happy she was about their relationship. 
He soon proposed, and my mom agreed to marry him. It was at that time that our neighbor revealed to my mom that the pastor had been accused years back of having an inappropriate relationship with a 16-year-old girl. He denied it and the church believed him, but she was not convinced he was not guilty. My mom and the woman argued about it because my mom flared up and swung into the pastor's defense. She said he had told her that some people would try to bring it up and that he was innocent. My mom left her house in anger and took us home with her. I hated that my mom was fighting with the woman that had become family because of the pastor, and that's when my dislike grew for him. My mom told the pastor, and he was upset too and started to talk about how many people hated him and wanted to see him go down. As soon as we get married, we're going to stay away from that family, I heard him say. My mom didn't protest. It just did not make sense to me that he would make such a declaration. We had known that family for a very long time. Without them, my mom would still be a random alcoholic, and we would have had the most traumatic childhood that would have resulted in even worse adulthood. I was not in support of his decision. I hated that he even thought he could make that decision, and I wished my mom had at least fought against it. They got married and we had to move in with the pastor at the church. For a while, the only time my sister and I ever saw the elder woman was in church. My mom had promised her that she would let my sister and I visit, but she never let us. When we protested, she allowed us but warned us to never tell the pastor. She didn't want her husband to know that she still had a relationship with the woman. My stepdad was one of those people whom one should only know from afar. Living with him was heck. He was extremely abusive and controlling towards anyone in the home. First, he insisted that my mom quit her job, saying that it wasn't in God's plan for women to work outside the home. After resisting for a while, she had to quit. He hated when she went out with friends from work. He would complain and say they weren't Christians and could lead her astray. He didn't like her socializing with church members either, especially when he wasn't with her. They argued a lot and he would call her names when they do. He would say she was slow, not that bright, and simply stupid. I remembered very few moments with my dad when he was alive and not once did he ever call my mom names. I had never even seen them argue. I didn't understand why my mom tolerated that sort of abusive behavior, but I soon understood that it was because she felt grateful that he married her. My mom believed that she was not even deserving of a handsome, well-respected, and previously unmarried man. People spoke of it in church, how a recovered alcoholic managed to snag the church's most eligible bachelor. My stepdad knew this too because he would say to her face many times that she should be grateful that he married her. He also mentioned her past as an alcoholic too many times. My mom became a shadow of herself. It was worse when she got pregnant. She always looked tired and sad. The last time I'd seen her in that way was years before, when my dad had died and she lost the baby. He broke her spirit. He extended his abusive and controlling behavior to my sister and me too. I wasn't allowed to date anyone that wasn't from the church, and my sister wasn't allowed to date at all. He also forced us to sit at the dining table and study our Bibles every weekend. Now, studying the Bible wasn't something I was adverse to, but he forced us to do it. One day, my sister got angry and told him he wasn't her father and should stop acting as though he was our dad. He said nothing but went back into his room. When my mom returned, he told her what had happened. My mom called my sister and instructed her to apologize to him. I didn't do anything wrong, she insisted. He's not my father. My heavily pregnant mom got up and slapped her. 
My stepdad smirked but got up and held my mom's hand when she tried to slap my sister again, pretending to care. She's still a child, he said calmly like he didn't realize that when he bad-mouthed her to her mom. I knew that day that my mom had lost it. My mom wasn't the sort of mother that would hit her child. I told the elder lady in church about my stepdad's abusive ways, but she said there was nothing she could do, and rightly so. My mom hadn't complained to the church, and everything he did to us could simply be waved off as discipline. It wasn't like he was hitting us. At this point, I just started avoiding being home. I went to nearly all church programs where my stepdad would not be officiating. I stayed back in school a lot too. My half-brother was nearly a year old when my mom had to travel for a church meeting for pastor's wives. The nanny was a young lady who had just finished high school. She was good with kids and a Christian too. My mom would have never have employed a non-Christian anyway. She used to come around whenever my parents had to be somewhere together, but she never had spent the night with our family. She was to stay with us for one week until my mom returned. She loved to sing and was in the choir in her church. I loved to sing too, so naturally we had a lot to talk about, even though she was a bit older than me. After the first night she spent in our house, she came into my room while the baby was asleep and confided in me that my stepdad tried to make a move on her. I was surprised until I remembered the scandal the elder woman had told us that he had been in. Even then I was surprised. My stepdad always carried himself as though he was some saint. When I told the nanny about what the elder lady had told us, she was shocked. Poor girl, she said. I think we should report him, I said to her. No, that wouldn't help. Technically I'm an adult. The police wouldn't do anything about it unless he tried to force himself on me. I said no, not to the police, to the church. We both planned that I would stay up late and make videos of what was going on with her phone without letting my stepdad know. She was up at night when my stepdad suddenly tiptoed into the living room and tickled her. I heard her shriek and there was no way I could make a video without him noticing. So I launched the video app on her phone, tiptoed into the dining room area, and gently pushed the phone into the kitchen. That way, even if the video didn't capture them, it could at least record what was going on. The nanny resisted him, but we kept on recording and we had recordings of three different days when he flirted with her, tried to kiss her, and touched her inappropriately. I considered telling my mom when she returned, but she probably wouldn't believe me and even if she did, she could try to stop me from telling the church. My mom was way too sentimental about her husband and would probably not leave him anyway but I'd feel very satisfied to see him exposed and excused from the church. The nanny and I met up after school and visited the elder lady and her husband. We told her what had happened and presented the recordings as evidence. This was the second time he was being accused of sexual misconduct, so it was a big issue. She told the other elders about what I had told her immediately and they all agreed to have a meeting. Then they decided to call him and let him know the accusations levied against him. As is customary in church, he was asked to hold off on his duties as a pastor until the hearing was concluded. The elder lady promised to not reveal to the elders that I was involved in the recording. She did that to save me from my mom's wrath. My stepdad was summoned and, as expected, he denied that happening until he was informed that there were pieces of evidence to support the allegations. That evening, he returned from church fuming in anger. They want me out, I knew it, they set me up, he kept saying. My mom called my sister and me aside to ask if we had noticed any strange behavior between him and the nanny. My sister was barely ever out of her room, so she said no. 
I told her I'd woken up to get juice from the kitchen one night, and I heard her saying no repeatedly. She said, you must never say that to anyone. I say, why not? If he truly tried to touch her, he should be sanctioned by the church. She says, you can't tell anyone about it, please. It was crazy how my mom was still trying to stand up for him, despite it being obvious that he did it. The trial period was hard for all of us at home. He would lash out at my mom and then burst out crying and apologizing. He was terrified that she would leave him. She never did though, even after the church decided that he was guilty and made him step down from his position as a pastor, she still stayed with him. Everyone in church heard about what had happened and he wasn't as respected as he used to be. Some people still tried to be in solidarity with him, but they were very few. He had to leave the church to save face and try to establish a new church. To this day, he still owns a church that somehow never grew past a handful of members. My mom's still with him. I've made peace with the fact that she may never leave him, but I'm glad my sister and I left the house immediately after high school and cut off contact with him. We still communicate with my mom and half-brother though. My stepdad may have started a new church, but people know him as the pastor who has had two different sexual harassment allegations levied against him. That never goes away. If you knew that there was this predator that was still going around in a position of being a pastor, would you be doing whatever you could to anonymously inform anybody in that new church's circle? I mean, I think it goes without saying that this guy should not be in that position, right? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. That said, our final story of the day is girlfriend dumps me for a wealthier guy, so I emailed her inappropriate videos to her company. What I'm about to say right now has been said again and again for hundreds and hundreds of years, but I feel like it has to be repeated for context. Love is overrated. There was a time I used to be a staunch advocate for love, but in all my years doing that crap, I found that road to be filled with only pain, regret, weakness, betrayal, and an awful lot of time wasted. When I look back at those days now, I find myself thinking, what the heck was I thinking? How on earth did I stay with someone so hateful, so greedy, so toxic for that long? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, I think my problem was that I felt it was going to get better and we were going to work eventually. Typical love struck Dumbo. It didn't work. She dumped me for a wealthier guy in spectacular fashion, but it's fine. I got my pound of flesh. Heck, I got way more than my pound of flesh. But let's not jump to the end. If I do that before laying out the details, I'd get labeled the bad guy. I might still be the bad guy after the details though, but still. I started my second year of college as a really depressed kid. 
I got home for the summer holiday after my first year and found out that my high school girlfriend, who went to the community college in town, had decided to start going out with some other guy. Even though we both agreed to try long distance, it was heart-wrenching, to say the least, because I had felt like she was the one. I was naive enough to think that I was going to marry her and she was going to carry our kids and we were going to live happily ever after behind a white picket fence in a city where the sun was always shining. Well, I got back to school, but I wasn't myself. I used to be one of the best in the class the year before, but after the incident, I just didn't care anymore. My friends noticed this, mostly because I used to help them with tests and assignments, and they tried to get me to snap out of it. They signed me up for a gym, which I didn't attend by the way, went hitchhiking, drank in bars, stayed out late, partying in clubs. It didn't work. It was as though I was shut out from life and I was just experiencing everything through a window. Eventually, by the third year mid-semester, I decided to focus my energy on something else. I started to write code and work on game development in my free time. My friends found this really weird because I was a literature major. At first, they thought I was having a psychotic break. I had to explain to them that I've had a thing for computers and coding since I was a little kid. It helps me take my mind off things I didn't want to think of. I spent the next few months in my dorm room or the coffee shop nearby working on a really killer game. It was a smartphone game and it was even more addictive than Candy Crush. I can't say the name now cause it isn't out yet. I was working on my game a few days after we resumed our fourth and final year when my friends and roommate walked into my dorm room. They were really excited about a new club that just got launched a few blocks away from campus. I told them to go because I wasn't really into it. I also wanted to do some debugging on the game. My friends didn't want to take no for an answer. They picked up my laptop and started to throw it around till I eventually agreed to go out with them. They should have just left me alone. It was bad, but at least it wouldn't have gotten worse. I went with them to the club. I have to be honest, yeah, it was kind of fun. I had a few drinks, danced a lot, then noticed a girl in the corner looking in her phone. She was beautiful. Straight blonde hair. I couldn't see her eyes at the time, but it turned out to be blue. She had an oval-shaped face and tanned skin. I told my friends about her, and they dared me to go talk to her. After a lot of persuasions, I finally worked up the courage to talk to her. She was closed off and unresponsive at first, but I kept talking, and I knew she was listening. After a few minutes, I blurted out that I didn't want to come to the club in the first place because I had a lot of work to do. She turned and spoke to me for the first time. She asked me what work I did. I told her I was a game developer. That sparked up the conversation. If I was actually thinking straight, I should have seen what this was. A red flag. We talked into midnight about everything. I learned that she was also in her fourth and final year of college. She was a student of business and entrepreneurship. That was really cool. She was really smart and funny and I still didn't know what I was thinking, but I felt like there could be something there. I should have listened to Ed Sheeran when he said the club isn't the best place to find a lover. That guy knows stuff. When she decided that she wanted to leave, she took my phone and inputted her number in it and her name. I won't tell you her name, so let's just say call her X. I was so happy that day because I've not felt that way in a long time. My friends were happy too. I was no longer gloomy. They told me to use the three-day rule and call her only after the third day, but I didn't. I called her the next day and asked her if she wanted to hang out. Surprisingly, she agreed. We got coffee and walked around the park. 
We talked about school, family, friends, our exes. She was really sympathetic to my ordeal with my last girlfriend. It was really nice. After that day, we started to hang out consistently. Then eventually, I invited her to meet my friends, and she agreed. That night, she came to our favorite bar, and we hung out with my roommate and two best friends, and it was fun. Or at least I thought so. When she left, my friends had a whole lot to say about her. They all agreed that she was pretentious, condescending, and downright witchy. Wait, what? How? I couldn't see it. This was a person I've been hanging out with for up to two months now. How come I couldn't see what they were seeing? I just felt like they didn't know her like I did, and I kept going out with her. A month later, I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she said yes. I was on top of the world. The first few months were the best. We would do some online stuff, and she'd send random 18-rated pictures and videos of herself whenever we weren't together. I used the toilet and my lotion quite a lot during that period. The rest of our fourth year in college went on smoothly. My friends respected my wish of wanting to date her, even though they strongly advised against it. We graduated, and I moved out of the dorm into a tiny apartment in the city. Tiny apartment in the city is code word for cheap dump for broke young people who are still finding their feet in society. My girlfriend, X, stayed with her friends in an apartment just a few blocks away. When she visited my place for the first time, she didn't try to hide her displeasure about the place I was staying in. I had to spend a lot of time explaining to her, like she didn't know already, that I was fresh out of college and I still have to get some form of employment before I could move to a better place. She shrugged and said alright, but she never came to visit that apartment again, till I got a job as an entry level editorial assistant for a small publishing company and I moved to a significantly better apartment. This didn't really do much to make her happy, when she came to visit, I saw in her eyes that she still wasn't pleased. She didn't say anything though. A few months later, she started to act cold towards me. She wouldn't pick up my calls, wouldn't return my texts. One time it got so bad that I was scared that something might have happened to her. I went to her apartment and her girlfriends said she wasn't around. I was so close to going to the police to write a missing persons report when I saw a text from her saying that she went to visit her family. I was so mad because she didn't tell me about it beforehand, and it got me worried. We had a huge fight over the phone, and after that, she wouldn't talk to me for a while. A few weeks later, when I couldn't take the silent treatment anymore, I called her to apologize. To my uttermost surprise, she said she would only accept my apology if I took her shopping. What the heck? I'm only apologizing because I missed her and I wanted peace to reign. Not because I actually felt like I did something wrong. Besides, she knows that I'm barely earning enough money for myself. I didn't have enough to spare. I raised these concerns to her, but she just cut the call. Once again, I didn't know what I was thinking. I didn't see it as a red flag. Another week later, I got my paycheck from work. I called her and apologized to her again, then took her out for the shopping she wanted so much, and we were fine again, or at least that's what I thought. A few days later she came over and we were talking about a business idea she wanted to work on. Out of the blue, she asked about the game I was developing and when it would be ready. I told her that my job with the publishing company is taking a lot of my time and I haven't been able to work on my game. She told me rudely that I had to find a way to get out of my dead end job and actually do something with my life. I felt like she was right, but man, why did she have to go and say it like that? 
I was hurt, but okay. I told her that it might take a while before that happens, because my job pays the bills and that's what I needed at the moment. She just shrugged, and I thought that was going to be the end of it, but it wasn't. Days later, she texted me while I was at work and asked me to send her some money for something she wanted to buy. I told her I didn't have any, and she sent another rude text about how incapable I am to be her boyfriend. I wasn't in the mood for another fight, so I turned off my phone and got back to work. That night, she sent me another text saying she was going to be out of town for the weekend and she was pushing through with her business idea. I told her okay and that I was proud of her and that I loved her, but she didn't reply. In fact, I think that was the last text I ever got from her. I didn't see her for a few days after the weekend. I called her line and sent her a dozen texts. She didn't pick up my calls, call back, or even send a text. I went to her place and, like always, her roommates only said that she wasn't around. Then I checked her Instagram. To my surprise, her latest post showed that she was still in town but she was hanging out with this rich dude. I took a cab to her last location, it was a 5 star restaurant, and she was there. I walked up to her and expressed my anger at her behavior of recent. I wasn't the one to cause a scene, but that day, I don't know what came over me. I yelled and screamed at her and she just sat there looking at me. The rich guy she was having dinner with, turns out he owns the restaurant, turned to her and asked her if she knew me. She looked at me one last time and then said no. I was shocked, I just stared at her even as the restaurant security pulled me away and threw me into the street. I was so sad that I actually shed tears. I didn't expect that something like that could happen to me again and I thought I knew pain when it happened the first time. I never thought it could hurt more than that, but it did. I took a sick leave and stayed in bed the next couple of days. On the last day of my sick leave, one of my college friends called me out of the blue and told me that X had a sit down with the venture capital firm where he works, along with some other firms, for funding to launch her business idea. At the end of that call, a dark idea came to mind. And even though it wasn't in my character to want to ruin people's lives, she kind of deserved it because she broke my heart in the worst way possible. She didn't even tell me formally that it was over. She just denied me and watched me as they threw me out. I hurried back to my laptop and worked my magic. Soon enough, I was able to hack into her email. I read through the messages from different companies telling her to expect feedback in a few days. Then. I pretended to be her and composed my own message to them. It goes something like this. Dear investors, I understand that you need time to come to a conclusion about my business idea, but I have to let you know that I am willing to do anything, anything to make you come to a favorable decision. Please find attached the document below as proof of my willingness to do anything you want. Yours faithfully, X. And in the document below, I compiled some of her unclothed photos and videos that she sent me months ago. I sent the email to all the companies in her inbox, closed my laptop, and went to work. The next day, I saw 25 missed calls from the ex. She called again, and when I picked up, she asked, What the heck did you do? I didn't answer. I cut the call and went about my day. Later, I got a call from my friend. He told me that X sent a really inappropriate email to her potential investors and they've all pulled out of the deal. 
I merely shrugged and went back to work. X tried to get me arrested on countless occasions, but she couldn't, because the charges didn't even make sense. She also tried to sue me, but nothing happened. The cops checked my phone and emails and my whole computer. Nothing was out of order. They didn't get one single proof that I sent those emails, and they started to see her as the crazy person. I didn't try to contact the ex after that. I've had my revenge, and even though it didn't help make me feel better, I could sleep better at night knowing that she got what she deserved. I'm not gonna lie, the only thing that really surprises me in this story is the fact that OP didn't get busted. I mean, if you log onto their email, there should be like a login history, and it would probably even tell you what name of the device it was that logged in. So either OP did something really sneaky there, or whoever was organizing this search, looking for all this proof, was very inept. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely insane revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 